0: Well, good morning and welcome on this Easter Sunday, whether you're in both in person and if you're watching online, we extend a special welcome to you as well. We're so glad you're joining with us, celebrating with us this very special day. Um, and, and this day is actually um, illustrated very much with Eric's baptism. I don't know if you make the connection there as Eric went into the water he was declaring his death to himself and as he was coming out of the water he was proclaiming the life that he has in Jesus. So there's a perfect example it's a great day to do baptisms on on Easter Sunday because it proclaims the person's identification with Jesus both in his death and his resurrection being buried in the water being buried in the grave and coming out and being resurrected as well. So we're so excited about that to have that celebration as well. Just before our uh, very first anniversary, Vange and our first wedding anniversary, Vange's family came up. We were at that time living in Athabasca, just north of here, and uh, they came up to do some camping and fishing at Baptiste Lake. And so, um, but as the the weekend kind of went on, she started getting really... The, the fish smell just really threw her for a loop, and we thought maybe she was getting, she was starting to get sick, and so we thought, oh, man, like, is she coming down with something? And so we're kind of concerned, kind of watching her, what she was happening and stuff like that, and the smell of fish just, just really set her off. And so we were kind of concerned about that, and so we are praying about that, praying that she wouldn't get sick, because she had just started a brand-new job and was, you know, was kind of excited about going to work, but this, this we didn't want this sickness to kind of hinder that a little bit and shortly after the that that weekend I think it was on Monday or Tuesday we went out for our anniversary dinner and we went out to a Chinese food restaurant and and she got sick again and we're going oh no what's going on and so we're going oh so she's really concerned about you know all because again she wanted to to go to work and enjoyed and 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 enjoyed working and so it's kind of discouraged and so the next day for the few days after that she was sick again and again and again and so finally she went to the doctor and the doctor goes well it's nothing you ate let's put it that way and um, and yes like us we Vange was pregnant and uh, but needless to say she couldn't eat or she fish or she couldn't eat any Chinese food probably for a year or two after that and as well fish just really sets her off even to this day um, i don 't know if it 's a result of that or not, but it's just there 's always that reminder for her but it 's amazing what a shocker those kinds of things you're you're you 're not expecting it we we weren 't really we were kind of trying to maybe to get to have a baby, but we didn 't think it was going to happen right away, and you just never know on those things you know, and so we were just kind of cruising through life and she was focused on work and I was focused on ministry and, and then all of a sudden, boom, There you're, you're landed with this, this monumental decision of, of having a baby and all that's involved in that. It changed a lot of things in our lives. And I think a lot of us find that way. We're, we're kind of ticking away with life going on as we normally would and all of a sudden, boom, something monumental happens and either good or bad and it changes everything in our life. Well, I think that first Easter Sunday, that first Easter morning, was a little bit like that. Because you see, the disciples were pretty discouraged. They were pretty heartbroken. Because here was Jesus, the one they were hoping and praying was going to be the answer to so much, so many things. He was dead. They watched him die on the cross. They watched him hung up there, they watched him je- they watched one of the Roman soldiers jam the spear in his side. They knew he was dead. There was no coming back from that. And yet something happened. I want to read from, two, the, from the, the book of uh, Matthew and the book of John, a couple of different accounts of what happened on that Sunday morning. So listen with me or follow along on your phone if you're in the events app, on the version app, you can follow along, take notes. But anyways, we're looking at Matthew 28, verses 1 to 7. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as He said. Now come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see Him. Now I have told you. Then to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses starting in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed From the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples and the one Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips laying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the Scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, it's two different accounts. Seeming oh, some of them might be a little bit contradictory, but the events are all the same in all aspects of it. It was mind-blowing. Whichever way you look at it. I mean, we, when we thought we, had a, we were having a baby, that was mind-blowing. But can you imagine a person who you saw and had seen him die? And now was alive three days later. I, how many of you have ever known of somebody who's had a heart attack and, and then made it through a heart attack? I have. My, my dad had a heart attack, mild heart attack, and then he went through surgery and, and he, he's alive. I mean, that's pretty common in our day, but a heart attacks don't always cause you to actually physically die. In some cases, you're, some people have been dead for a, a period of time. But, but oftentimes, it's just a short period of time, and, and the person's brought back to life. I think the longest a person has ever died and, and been brought from back to life is maybe an hour or so. But here was Jesus, three days, dead. I mean, as I said, they actually saw the spear jabbed in his side they saw the water and the blood how it already begun to separate how it poured out of his out of the wound in his side i mean this wasn't just uh you know he kind of went into a coma state and just was coming back i mean there wasn't much blood left in his body for him to come back to and for jesus he was dead and they knew that and he was placed in the ground now, on Friday, we talked about some symbols that, w- that symbolized that we've often overlooked when it comes to Good Friday. And today, we're going to look at a, at a few more. We're going to look at three more specifically. One of them we looked at on, on Friday, which is actually a, a repetition. Am I losing my mic here? Or is it just something's going on? Anyways, one of them was, it was a repetition of what we'd seen on Friday, and that was an earthquake. There was an earthquake that took place on Friday... But there was also an earthquake that took place on Sunday. And that's a pretty significant event because Matthew talks about this earthquake and, 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 and how, this, how it shook the, this, those guards that were there. Now remember, again, that's similar to what happened on Friday because when the earthquake happened then, the Roman centurions made the comment, surely this must have been the Son of God. And here it is Sunday, another earthquake, this time not symbolizing his death, but his resurrection. And again, Roman soldiers, the guard that had been placed at the tomb, were totally terrified of what was going on. I mean, that's pretty significant. That's, a, that's it's an earth-shattering event. It's interesting. Jesus actually makes this comment a week prior to his, 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 uh, his death on, on the, the previous Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 19, verse 39, um, it, it records this. Luke records this. He said, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, said to Jesus Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, everybody was proclaiming, hail, you know, proclaiming Jesus and, and waving palm branches and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus makes this comment. He says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, what? The stones will cry out. He's actually quoting from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 11, where he says, The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. In other words, the the, the creation could not contain what was happening. It was literally in celebration. Maybe the first one was maybe in awe and brokenness and grief. But the second one was in celebration. The fact that that the, the ground could not hold Jesus. Death could not hold Jesus. The grave could not hold Jesus. The physical world groaned at His death and celebrated His resurrection. Think about that. I don't think there's any other event that we can ever think of that's happened to an individual where the, where the, where the world literally shook because of that individual except at the person of Jesus. a pretty significant event. The second thing that we need to realize is the empty tomb. The tomb was empty. When the, when the stone rolled away, there was nobody in it. Jesus was not there. There was no smell, no de- decomposing body, no bones. There was nobody there but two stacks of cloth. One representing his head. It was wrapped around his head and the other was wrapped around his body somehow he had come out of the grave without walking through the doorway the grave was empty i mean jesus was now free freer than he'd ever had been all the years that he'd walked on the on the face of the earth Imagine what it would have been like for them to wrap their head around this aspect of thinking that somebody who should have been in the grave is no longer in the grave. I mean we see it in movies all the time, right? You know, crimes crime movies where they the they, body's in the grave and they, they exhume it and what there's nobody in the in the grave and they figure, okay, the guy must be alive somewhere and then they, or he switched or something. And I mean there's all these kinds of things. Those kinds of things pretty happen all the time in movies. And and in those days they didn't ever have to deal with that stuff because once the person was dead, they were dead. Like there was wasn't any of this stuff coming back. There was no Lazarus syndrome, you know, coming back after an hour or so, that kind of stuff. That, by the way, that's the term that, that, at least I've read, that medical staff have for the person who's died and come back to life again. Lazarus, taken from Jesus' friend Lazarus, who was raised after four days. But here was Jesus, not only pronounced dead from crucifixion, but as I also said, had a spear jabbed up under his ribcage into his abdomen area and every every part, all the blood that came out of there just flowed out of his body. How supernatural, how amazing is that, that now he is alive, walking, moving. Now, they hadn't really, they hadn't even seen him yet. We, there's other stories where he comes back and shows himself and all that kind of stuff. And... That's awesome, But just think about that. The tomb is empty. There they are. There's nothing in the tomb but these two sets of clothes. And that's, what we, that's the third symbol that we need to have a look at. Not only is the tomb empty, but all that's left are two pieces of cloth. But you think about that. What were those pieces of cloth representative of? They were a straitjacket. They were the chains. They were, in a sense, what bound Jesus. They were what bound him. And kept him. Now, this, I mean, think about that for a moment. Not only, Jesus had actually hung on a cross. He'd been beaten. He'd been mocked. He'd been, been crucified. He'd had spears jabbed up his side. And then he was wrapped with linen all the way around and placed in a tomb. Houdini could not even get out of that. There's no way. And so it's significant that the cloth was remained in the tomb, Why? Because that which bound him, the last remaining thing that bound him, now was left there and he was free. The chains, in a sense, that bound him. The straitjacket that would have held him. He would have had no energy whatsoever to unwrap himself after all that he had gone through. Even if he was perfectly healthy, he probably still couldn't have unwrapped himself. But there they were. The grave clothes, there, laying in the tomb. You see, Jesus, it's a symbol for us because all of us have things that bind us. They may not be on the outside, but they're on the inside. Things that, that strangle our heart, that strangle us, and things that we do that we just cannot be free from. There are things in our lives that are changed, that are like grave clothes, that tie us to the grave, and that we cannot be free. There's no way of being free. Except for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus got free from his chains. Jesus got free from that, those things which held him. Jesus set himself free and says to each one of us, I can do the same for you. He says, but you have to die. You have to die to yourself. So the question is, what do you have to die to? What are the things that are holding you? What are your chains? Over the past few weeks, we've talked about lots about these things. We've talked about things like fear and anger and rebellion and bitterness. We've talked about gods that we've placed in our lives unintentionally, maybe intentionally, we don't know, but there's things like, like money, sex, career, jobs, positions, honor, shame, family, all those things, maybe even unintentional things that we've put in our lives that aren't necessarily evil, but we've elevated to the sense of we've deified them, and we just, we're, we're, we're bound to them like chains. We're bound to them like, like being in a straitjacket. And we don't know how to be, get free. Because we cannot be who God called us to be. And Jesus says, you need to die to those. Like I did. You had to die. In other words, you have to give your life to Jesus and saying, my life, Jesus, is no longer mine. It's yours. That's the first thing. What do you need to die to? Even as a follower of Jesus. Sometimes there's other things that creep into our lives that we've been following Jesus and we've been going with Him. But all of a sudden there's things that all of a sudden we find start strangulating us and capturing us. And Jesus says, you need to be free from those as well. Whether it's the first time you asked Jesus into your life to set you free or the the tenth time you've asked Jesus to set you free. There's many things that bind us and hold us back from the freedom that Jesus wants to give us. Now, along with that, I mean, we think about the the whole resurrection event. There were some pretty monumental things that happened that shook a lot of people's lives. So the question is, maybe you're not going, I don't know, I don't know if, if I can really trust Jesus with that or for that. But the question is this, what would it take for God to get your attention? What would you need to see? What would you need to hear? What would you need to experience or feel in order that you could trust Jesus to set you free? Would an earthquake do it? Maybe you've had one. But maybe you're like the guards and you run from it. Or you're ignoring it. What would it take for you to come to the place where you're saying, okay, Jesus, you're the only one who can set me free. What would you need to experience with God in order for that to be a reality? If you're not sure, ask Him. Saying, God, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to take for me to trust you. Be honest with Him. Trust me. God will meet you. He will create your own whatever earthquake, or her, his own, your own earth shattering moment he will touch you in a way if you ask him God if you are real show yourself to me create an earthquake for me not, not physical earthquake please don't have, I want to do that but create some kind of a, an, an emotional or, or relational response with you that, God, that, that you will know that God is calling you to follow him here is my life God I want to surrender it to you what would it take now for for those of you that have trusted Jesus and and maybe you've just even started on that road and Eric kind of touched a little bit on it in his his testimony but this is the last question what chains from your life has Jesus broken in your or what chains from your life has Jesus broken in your life in other words what has he set you free from What what are your grave clothes do you know what they are Has he set you free from stuff? Make a list. Think about them. Because those are important. Because that's the stuff that you leave behind. Those are the things that people see. You once were this, but now are this. Amazing grace, I once was lost, but now I was found. I mean, there's if God hasn't changed your life, then you need to go back to God and saying, God, you need to surrender more things to Him. Because that's what it's all about. Because, you see, what happens is when people saw these grave clothes, they went, wow, Jesus is powerful. And when people see the chains that you have let go of, your... Di- you know, your clothes, your straitjacket that has held you, and you tell people, this is what Jesus has done for me, guess what? They're going to go, wow, cool. Maybe Jesus is real. Because what you leave behind may be the earthquake for someone else. Maybe the empty tomb. Maybe the grave clothes that people see and going, yes, Jesus is worth following. And if you haven't had any God change anything in your life recently, anything God set you free from, any struggle that you've been struggling with, that it's time to ask God once and again, God, I need help with and list it. I want to die to that, I want your freedom. Because I want to proclaim Jesus Christ's resurrection. I want my life to be to demonstrate to others. Not that I did it. Eric talked about that. It's not about anything we deserve. It's whatever God does in us. And this is Jesus Christ, resurrection life, living and working in and through my life. Write them down. They're important. Because that is your testimony to others around you. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I read, this, I read these in the Psalm Psalms 107. And I love, I love these, these words. And I thought, these are appropriate for today and what we're talking about. He says... Verse 2, he says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from the east and west, from the north and the south. In other words, make your proclamation of what God has done for you. Let it be known. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Because your story can impact someone else's life. Not only that, it glorifies God because it points people back to, to, to God. And God calls us to proclaim who He is and what He has done. That His resurrected life has power to change each each and every one of us. So as we have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, as we have witnessed it in in the form of baptism, as we have sung of those songs that talked about Jesus' death and His resurrection, that we proclaim when we talk about the things and the ways that Jesus has changed us. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we struggle with uh, so many things in life. We're challenged. Lord, we look at our lives and we look at other people and are going, oh man, they, they must be so blessed because they don't wrestle or struggle with something. But God, we struggle with so many things. Yet God, you want us to, you want it to set us free. You want those, those, those grave clothes to be torn off us. You want the chains to be broken. You want us to experience the freedom of who you are. You want to give us life fresh and anew for the first time or for the 10th or 20th or 30th time God you you want us to experience you in a fresh new way so God we come God I pray that you would help us to share with that with others let the redeemed tell the story God may we the redeemed tell our story to someone else may we share what you have done May we ask for help, ask for prayer, because God, sometimes we need others to come alongside of us and to pray for us and to, to encourage us and not to judge us or condemn us, but to encourage us and lift us up. God, we, we long for that. We long for you to meet us and, and gather us together and to be a body, to do life together, as we talked about, as Michael and Charlie talked about life groups. God, we want to do life together because life can be hard. We can struggle with so many things in life and we don't know we don't have all the answers but God you do because God you see the beginning and the end and everything in between so today Jesus we come we surrender ourselves to you afresh and anew that we might have the resurrected life of Jesus flowing in us and through us and out through us And God, if there's people here that are struggling and they're going, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust Jesus in that way. Then God, help them to seek you to find the earthquake experience that will shake them and allow them to experience you for themselves. Maybe it's an earthquake. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's someone's story. Whatever it is, God, lead them to that place where they can see that you are the God who longs to meet them as well. So, God, we come today. Meet us. Encourage us. Because, God, today it's about you. We celebrate Jesus, your death, your resurrection, your power to set the prisoners free. That's why you came. Your very first message was about that. You came to set the prisoners free. And, Jesus, we want to be set free. Set us free now. In your name we pray. Amen.